The story of the Magi, I think, ranks right up there with the rest of the Christmas story and Easter in terms of the way it captures the human imagination. Poets and artists have wrapped words and pictures around this story uh, so often and for so long. Uh, One poet even gave the Magi names, Melchior, Caspar, Balthazar, and those names have sort of come down in folklore and in music to us. In more recent years even, James Taylor has taken this story and written a song called Home by Another Way. So much has been made of this story and yet we know so little about it. They weren't kings, of course, there were not three of them, at least not according to Matthew's Gospel. We don't know who they were, we don't know where they came from or how many of them gathered. We don't know how long it took them to get to Bethlehem or how old Jesus was by the time they got there. We're not even sure about the famous star. And it's not that those facts don't matter, they do. It's just that they don't matter as much as the story. Stories can be true whether they happen or not. You don't have to do archaeology to find out whether they're genuine. You don't have to spend years in a library combing ancient texts either. There is another way home. You listen to the story. You let it come to life inside of you. And then you decide, letting your own tears and laughter speak to you about the story. If you're in any doubt, it's helpful to look at others as they listen to it. Just pay attention to how the story affects people over time. Does it make them more or less human? Does it open them up or does it shut them down? Does it increase their capacity for joy? So whilst we don't know so many of the facts, come along with me as we enter the story this morning. Once upon a time, there were three wise men who were all sitting in their own countries, minding their own business, when a bright star lodged in the right eye of each of them. It was so bright that none of them could tell whether it was burning in the sky or burning in their own imaginations, but they were so wise that they knew it didn't really matter. The point was something beyond them was calling them, and that call was something they had been waiting for their whole lives. Each, in his own country, had tried books, they'd tried magic, tried astrology and reflexology. One had spent a fortune learning language after language. Another lived on nothing but dried herbs boiled in water. The third could walk on hot coals, although it did nothing for him beyond the great sense of relief it gave him at the end. They were all glad for a reason to get out of town because that was clearly where the star was calling them, calling them out away from everything that they knew how to manage, everything they knew how to survive, out from their reputations that they had built from themselves, away from the high expectations and the often disappointing returns. And so they set out one by one, each believing that he was the only one with a star in his eye until they all ran into each other on the road to Jerusalem. From a distance, each thought the other might be a mirage at first, 
a twinkling reflection made out of vapour and heat. But as they drew near to one another, they saw the star that they had in common. And it was like a, a tattoo or a secret handshake. It made them brothers before they'd spoken a word. And they were unanimous that the star was leading them to Jerusalem, which made perfect sense since they had every reason to believe that they were on their way to meet a king. They had no trouble gaining entrance to the palace. They looked rich and that was enough to get them admittance. Only the king that they met in that place was something of a disappointment. He was old and fat and had terrible breath. His skin was yellow as if the bile had gotten the best of him. And the guards on either side of him, they shook their spears and jingled their shields. Without even conferring with one another, the wise men knew that he was not the one. So they asked if he knew of any other kings in the general area. He'd not really been paying much attention up until that point, but their question got his attention in a big way. He looked right at them for the first time and he saw the star in their eyes. His own eyes grew perfectly round like the eyes of a snake. Asking the wise men if he would excuse them, if they could excuse him for a moment, the king stepped into his private chapel to confer with his advisers, who whipped out their concordances and told him what he wanted to know. Yes, there was a little something in the book of Micah about a new ruler for Israel. Nothing to get excited about. It's been there a long time. It seemed unlikely, but sure, why not? Send the wise men to Bethlehem to do the reconnaissance work and save a little bit on the Home Office budget. So that was what the king did. He gargled, he combed his hair, he went back in to tell the wise men, yes, you should go to Bethlehem at once, with my blessing. It was all on the condition, of course, that they would come back and tell him who his successor would be so he could send flowers. The wise men left feeling a bit queasy. But once they were back out in the night air, they could see the star clearly again and they followed it right to the doorway of a one-room house in Bethlehem. It was a perfectly nice place, modest but well-built, but it was not the kind of place you would expect to find a king. A dog was sniffing under the woodpile uh, in hope of finding a mouse. Someone was practising the lute next door, going over the same phrase again and again. The smell of dinner was in the air, wheat cakes cooked on a griddle greased with sheep's fat, lentils with lots of garlic. If they'd chosen the place themselves, they might never have knocked, but the star had chosen it. And so they did, and when the door opened, it opened to show a couple inside who almost died of fright. Not that the wise men noticed, of course. With their arms full of gifts, they crowded into the small place, bumping their turbans on the rafters and snagging their robes on the rough furniture. All they could see was the baby, who was not afraid, and whose eyes shone with the same star that they had seen before they'd even left home. It was he then, whoever he was. They did not have a clue, but they knew what to do. They got on their knees and they worshipped him. Then they gave him all the things that they'd bought him, all the wrong things. And they could see that now, bought him things he had no use for. 
They should have bought goat's milk and a warm blanket, something shiny to hang above the crib. Only, how could they have guessed? The children's parents were gracious. They thanked the foreigners for their gifts and they held them up for the baby to see. Then, to the wise men's complete alarm, the child's mother picked him up and handed him around so that each of them held that damp, soft, living weight in their arms. Then she took him back and nursed him until they all fell asleep where they sat. In the morning, the wise men couldn't find their stars anywhere. They looked in all the corners and under the chairs. The baby's mother even shook out the blankets, but after initial panic, the wise men said, never mind, they didn't need them anymore. They'd found what they were looking for, and they couldn't lose that. As much as they hated to, they guessed that they'd better be on their way. And they, they wouldn't be going back through Jerusalem, they said. All three of them had a dream that they were to steer clear of that place, as if they'd needed to be told. If anyone in Jerusalem knew anything at all, they would be here instead of there. Besides, none of their old maps worked anymore. They would find a new way home. So the wise men picked up their packs, which were lighter than before, and they lined up in front of the baby, and they began to thank him for the gifts that he had offered them. What in the world are you talking about? Mary laughed. And they told her so that she could tell Jesus later. From, for this home and the love that I've found here, said the first wise man, who couldn't remember how to say it in all the many languages that he'd learnt. For new life, said the second wise man, who had no interest in living on herbs anymore. For a really great story, said the third wise man, who thought telling it might do a lot more for him than walking on coals. Then the wise men trooped outside, stretched, kissed the baby goodbye, and went home by another way. Amen.